Rosemary Gayhart was a 23-year-old native New Yorker who moved to Cape Coral, Florida with her boyfriend. She had a large family with many siblings who cared about her, and they were all concerned with her moving away. On March 14, 1985, after work, she allegedly got into a red pickup truck with an unidentified male. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Siblings has to be one of the most complex and dynamic relationships of all family situations. On one hand, they tend to be competitors, competing for their parents' love, competing for that last piece of pie in the refrigerator, competing to see who gets to drive the car on a Friday night. On the other hand, We know that siblings can be thick as thieves because there isn't a child out there who hasn't hidden secrets from his or her parents. But who most likely knows about those secrets? That other brother and sister. And so through their childhood years, living under the same roof as their parents, and in fact, probably keeping secrets that will last a lifetime, They engage in a subtle form of extortion. Why won't tell dad about what you're doing if you don't tell mom about what I'm doing? And in some ways, I guess they're like double agents. Telling on their siblings on one hand, but keeping things from their parents, uh, from those same siblings on the other. Once again, a very dynamic and complex relationship that siblings have. And over time, it's interesting to watch how those relationships blossom. I know that growing up in Leechburg, Pennsylvania, most of my friends had brothers or sisters. I was an only child, and I didn't end up having two brothers and a sister until I got into my 20s, simply because they got in touch with me because I was given up for adoption when I was born. So I never got to experience what my friends went through. I never had to compete with any other siblings. But now that I'm in my 40s, and I still know many of those same people, it's amazing to me, I don't know if it's a surprise, But how close they end up being, even though I can remember in the past, I guess going back to the 1980s, when they just outright despised each other. And I'd like to think that this change came about due to their maturity, because many of them having children of their own. And of course, sometimes we know that Some siblings maybe never patch that stuff up, and they kind of go their separate ways. Not that they dislike each other, but maybe sometimes there are situations that just can't be forgotten. And it seems to me that 
the relationship that these siblings have at some point is somewhat separate. They have like their own family separate from the parents who, in most cases, are still alive. Siblings get together without their parents being around. And it's been uh, an interesting thing for me to watch over my life and then me getting my own siblings, two brothers and a sister, to then try to equate that with what others have been going through since day one of their lives. I bring this all up because in three of the first four cases that I covered for Unfound, the disappearances of Jason Jolkowski, Jesse Foster, and Suzanne Lyle, I interviewed their mothers who were mainly responsible for keeping the memories of their children alive. Those three mothers are fully responsible for trying to get justice for their children who disappeared. And I think that is the most common kind of situation out there. However, in Rosemary Gayhart's case, The person who is most outspoken, the person who is on Facebook and elsewhere, the person who has taken it upon herself since 1985 to not just keep Rose's memory out there and Rose's life out there and trying to solve this case, but she's also gotten involved in helping others as well. Her name is Laurie Travis, and you're going to get to hear her story today, and you're going to get to hear about her relationship with her sister, Rose. I'm calling this episode, Rose Marie Gayhart, A Sister's Love. Rose was last seen in Cape Coral, Florida on March 14, 1985. After finishing work, she allegedly got into a pickup truck with an unidentified man. She was never heard from again. Up until a few weeks before her disappearance, she was living with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's mother. According to letters Rose sent her family, the arrangement was difficult with Rose clashing with the mother. In addition, she and her boyfriend had problems as well. Shortly before her disappearance, though, the boyfriend got his own place but claimed that Rose never did live with him. In addition, around the time of Rose's disappearance, the boyfriend's mother purchased a bus ticket for Rose to return to New York. That ticket was never used. Anybody with information regarding this case should contact either the Livingston County, New York Sheriff's Department at 585-243-7120 or the Cape Coral Police Department at 239-574-3223. And now my interview with Rose's sister, Laurie Travis. I am so fortunate to be able to have Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On the line with me right now, uh, Rose's sister, Laurie Travis. She lives in New York. Laurie, uh, thank you for joining me on Unfound. 
Tell uh, the listeners a little bit of what should they know about Rose? What do you remember about her? What do you remember about growing up with her? And what keeps you going after these, you know, 30 some years to make sure that people can know, you know, find out what happened to her? Rose and I were very close in age. We were very close. We shared rooms together. We had the same friends we hung out with. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of uh, interest did you two have? What, what, what were you into? Just, you know, back then it was just playing outside and playing hide-and-seek and all those things. We didn't have all that, you know, high-tech stuff like mm-hmm. we do today. Right. Or played Barbies or, you know. Yeah, what kind of music were you two into? Did you have any particular musical taste that you remember going back to that time? We were, we were in the 70s. Yeah. So, yeah. so like I disco or? Like, <laughs> well, I was like a Bobby Vinton fan and she was like, uh, you know, that, that era. Okay. Bobby Vinton. Okay. Dr. Hook, all that stuff. Okay. So you grew up in New York and she was how, she was a little older than you were by how much? Uh, she was born in February of 62. I was born in September of 63. Okay. So you're talking like a year and a few months. Okay. And you two did have uh, some other siblings, right? Yes, we do. You do? Okay. And how many? How many? Four. Four? Were they all older or younger or kind of split? Split up? We had an older one, and then it was Rose, then myself, and then I have three younger, we have three younger sisters. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of girls. Yeah. A lot of estrogen in, under that roof. Yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. Okay. And I can imagine that's, yeah, it's quite a few people. Um, so you got into high school, and then at some point, Rose, she had a couple children, didn't she? Yes, she did. Okay. And one who, please, please tell the listeners about that. Uh, she had one that was six months old who had uh, been murdered. And what and ha- can I, I ask? Can I ask what happened there? Uh, apparently, she left the house and left the baby in the hands of her boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he shook the baby. Mm-hmm. And had brain, it had brain damage and passed away, and then she had a second child, who she adopted out. She gave up for adoption. Yeah. And how how old how old was that child when? He was just born when he was adopted out, but he did uh, find us back here about four years ago. He found our family. Wow. That, that's that's interesting, and so and then he now knows that his biological mother disappeared in 1985. Yes, he does. Wow. And does he share? It'd be interesting to know. So he he would be how old then? He would be early 30s. Yes. Okay. Does he share your passion for trying to resolve what happened? Does he Does he want to know too? Um, he's really quite 
quite young and don't understand it, I guess. Okay, even in his thir even in his thirties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he's still at that age. Uh, he does want to know who his mom is, but mm -hmm. he knows that she's missing. Yeah. Um, I try to fill him in with, you know, many pictures of him and his mom when he was little, and you know, pictures of his mom. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't. I, I don't know if I've told you this, Laurie, because we the listeners should know that Laurie and I uh, have talked quite a bit back and forth on Facebook, and then we had a prior uh, telephone conversation. But I'm adopted, so anytime I hear about somebody that was given up for adoption or found their biological family, it always catches my attention because in 1994 I had an opportunity to meet my biological family. You know, after 20 some years of being raised as an an only child, so. When I hear a story like that, you know, of course, that catches my attention. So she gave up this her son for adoption. And then at some point, uh, she decided that she was going to move to Florida. Right. She met this guy, Bob. Mm -hmm. And on Christmas Eve in 1984, I got a phone call. That she was going to move to Florida, so I come down. I was living in Rochester at the time to Danceville, New York, because I had a Christmas gift for her, and I wanted her to have it before she went to Florida. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I ever seen her. We did write letters back and forth. Mm -hmm. And on um, March 5th of 1985, I received a letter from her. And she said everything seemed to be fine. I mean, she thanked me for her birthday card that I had sent her and um, that she wanted to come back and visit, but Bob wouldn't let her mm -hmm. because he was afraid that she wouldn't come back. Hmm. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Bob. How long had she known him? How long had she been dating him um, before they moved to Florida together? To be honest with you, I really don't know. I think okay. it's like six months. Okay. And according to my other sisters, they said that he was very abusive to her. Mm. Okay. And they had actually seen it where I did not see it. Hmm. What, I know you were very close to Rose. Do you think that that might have been something that she was hiding from you because you two were so close or – just, just could have been, yeah. Could, she could, could may have not been. have wanted me to, yeah. She didn't want me to know. Because I, I can tell you that in a couple other cases, you know, that I'll be covering for the show, where I've, you know, women who have disappeared, who, um, you know, were abused beforehand, you know, oftentimes the family doesn't find out until after that that kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, that kind of stuff was going on. Right. They like to cover it up. Yeah. Make it look good. Yes, that's yep. true. Did did they move to Florida? Did Bobby want to move to Florida because he had a job down there? He had a, or down I should say down there. I live in Florida. Um, down here, or did he have family down here? Did they just young people just picking up and leaving? Do you remember the reasons? He, he decided to move down there because his mother lived down there, so they moved in with his mother in a trailer park. Okay. And then he went to work. Doing carpet cleaning. Mm -hmm. How did Rose feel about moving down? I mean, usually I, I'd think that a young twenty-something-year-old wouldn't be too thrilled about moving in with her boyfriend's mother. You know, you know, fifteen hundred miles away. I, 
Did she? Do you remember Rose saying anything about that? Thinking that she probably never met her until she got there. Right. Is what I'm guessing. Okay. Okay. And then when she did move down there, they didn't get along. They had a lot of fights. Uh, mm-hmm. Even neighbors were saying that, you know, they heard a lot of uh, crashing and banging and screaming and yelling. Mm-hmm. When she was living there. Uh, so she moves to Florida, though. And does she get does she get a job right away? What what does she do? Um, she was doing babysitting, and mm-hmm. I guess, and then she ended up getting a job at Big Howie's, but she was only there for two days. So I really don't know exactly what she was actually doing as mm-hmm. far as the job. Just. Mm-hmm mainly probably living down there while he worked. Right. So she, uh, when she disappeared, she, and to just to, to remind the listeners, is that the last time allegedly anybody saw her was she was leaving this job, Big Howie's. Right. And she had been, she'd only been working there for two days. Correct. And she never went back and got her paycheck either. Okay. All right. So she, she worked for him on... March 19th and March 20th, and the 21st is when she was last seen, according to the Cape Coral newspaper, when her belongings were found behind the police department. Right. Now, we need to, I think, get into maybe a little bit of the specifics of the case, because, you know, there's the Charlie Project and there's other sites. There's the website that you manage for Facebook that has all of this on there. But there are some things that maybe, um, in just talking to you, that I know now that maybe the listeners don't don't realize. First of all, let's talk about the red truck. The just so once again, so the listeners can understand, is that there's the rumor that. The day that she left, she left and somebody picked her up in a red pickup truck. But there are some problems with that, aren't aren't there? Can you tell the listeners tell tell the listeners what the problems are with that particular fact? What the problem is with that is my mom, when she got her letter on March nineteenth, uh, it stated in there Dorothy Bob's mom said she was in a bar with three guys and took off in a red truck. Mm-hmm. And then, then later on, this Howard that worked that owned uh, Howie's Hot Dog stated that she left in a red truck. Mm-hmm. So nobody really is not making sense about this red truck if it even existed. And but what should be known about? I mean, first of all, we already maybe we should establish this. That Rose and Bobby's mother did not get along. Right. Dorothy, is his mother, was not a big fan of Rose. No. she. He was more like a mama's boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> he didn't like anybody. Okay. Um, the problem is that, once again, she's a woman who maybe has something that she doesn't like about Rose. And she says about the red truck, but... You don't know whether to believe her or not, but the other issue is that the owner of this place, her boss at this restaurant, didn't bring up the red truck until how many weeks later? 
it was after my mom received a letter after Dorothy had already told her that she mm. took off in a red truck. Right. It wasn't like right away. It wasn't like – I guess what I'm trying to say is she disappears. Rose doesn't come back for work the next day, and it wasn't like the boss automatically went to the police and said, you know what? She went, left yesterday in a guy in a, in, in, in a red truck. She did, He didn't do that, did she? Did he? No, it, no, and Bob did not either say that she was mm. missing. Right, her boyfriend. He, he did, but Cape Coral Police said that she did not, or he did not report her missing. Right, right. Now, right before Rose disappeared, their, their living situation had changed, hasn't it? They were living with Dorothy, but then didn't they move out? Yes, they moved to an apartment in Cape Coral, and mm -hmm. Bob tried to say that she didn't live there with him. Mm -hmm. But on her application to Big Howie's, um, it had his address on there. So they were living together. Yes, I mean, because you being her sister, if she, you know, he claims that she never lived with him after he moved out. Well, you have never in these last 31 years have ever found out if she was living somewhere else, right? Right. Nobody's ever come forward and said, you know, Rose was renting from me, Rose was my roommate, or anything like that. Nope, they no. all, it's in the report that she was at First 54 Barron Way, North Fort Myers, Florida, and her second address that she moved into is 1310 40th Church, Southeast Cape Coral, Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so we have this discrepancy regarding the red truck, whether it really existed or not, because once again, we have one witness that I don't know is reliable, and the other witness didn't even bring it up till later. Um, Four but years later when they investigated. Right. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, how about, once again, there's, once again, there's the, the rumor out there that your sister might have been pregnant. Do you do you think that's the case? And you received a letter from her shortly before uh, she disappeared. What can you tell everybody about that? Well, in my letter, she didn't write anything that she was pregnant. But when my mom received her letter, um, Dorothy, Bob's mom, had said she was pregnant and that she uh, they wanted her to have an abortion because they didn't believe it was Bob's child. Mm -hmm. And Rose did not want to have an abortion. And you received this letter. I mean, how would you portray the letter that you received from Rose shortly before she disappeared? It was a fairly decent, well, regular re letter, right? Yeah, she seemed fine, but she did say that Bob's mom was crazy. <laughs> okay. And she had to get out of there. And huh? that's when she wanted to, while Bob was going to go into the reserves for a couple of weeks, she wanted to come up and stay with me, but Bob wouldn't let her come up because he was afraid that she would not come back. Hmm. Okay. But not, and nowhere in that letter did she say anything about being pregnant or anything else. Once again, the pregnant thing is coming from the boyfriend's mother who, who for all intents and purposes, didn't like Rose anyway. And would have tried to portray Rose in is probably the most negative light that she could. Right, right, right. exactly. One more thing about the red truck. Has 
Bobby, was he ever connected to owning a red truck or having access to a red truck? Not that I know of. I have no idea. Okay. All right. Now let's get. Had a friend with a red truck. I don't know. Sure. Sure. He could have rented one. We just can't say. But the reason, the reason, if the listeners are wondering why we have to go through it like like this, you know, with this interview, is that really. How many years was it between Rose disappearing and the police actually conducting an investigation? Four years. Four years. And that was after Livingston County, New York Sheriff's Department got the FBI involved because Cape Coral was not doing anything about it. Wow. What was it? What led to – was it you that finally went to Livingston or was it your other family members that finally went to Livingston County, New York, that said, hey, something needs to be done? How did that happen? We all did. And, it, well, when I got my letter, then I received a return to sender letter. Mm-hmm. And I said – then my mom got the letter and the phone call. And um, that's that's the last time we heard. Mm-hmm anything and so Livingston County you know finally says well Cape Coral's not doing anything we got to do something about this this family is actually from here mm-hmm. you know so they've been involved in it for all these years as well when Rose uh, after how long after she disappeared did you find out that nobody had seen her for like Days. How how long was she disappeared before you personally found out that she was gone? Um, actually, there was an article in the Cape Coral Police Department newspaper stating that uh, her belongings were left behind or left at the Cape Coral Police Department. Belongings that nobody would leave behind, like birth certificates, death certificates, ad- adoption papers. You know, things that you would hang on to. And where were those? Where were those found again? It was found at the Cape Coral Police Department. Did somebody turn them in, or somebody apparently dropped them off? We don't know who. They wow. never said. Wow! And how long after it was? How long after Rose's disappearance did this happen? Do you remember? Uh, I believe the article in the paper was uh, written on. Um, I would say March 22nd, 23rd. All right, so. So it was right after the letters. All this happened within um, like three weeks. Three weeks. A month. Okay. Did you or any of your family members go down there to Florida to look for her when it happened, or what did you think? No, we didn't. Because we figured the investigators were handling it. Hmm. And then it took you all that time to find out that they weren't. And uh, I guess it should be remembered it was 1985. It's not today where communication is a lot easier. You could just email or in, and phone numbers were easy to find. Back then, a little bit more difficult. Yes, it was. Yeah. I mean, I mine was all handwriting stuff back then because we didn't have the computers and all the resources like we have now. Right. Right, and would you? And being that I know that you, I mean, you are the sibling, the sister of Rose, who has really spearheaded, you know, the stories about her, keeping her name out there, managing uh, the Facebook site, and, and all of that. 
Uh, did that start right away for for you? I mean, obviously Facebook didn't start till later, but I mean, when did you? I mean, was it right at that time that you said, you know, this is something that I have to do, or did that kind of kick in later when you figured out that the yeah. police weren't weren't doing much? It actually started in 1995. I finally went over to the Livingston County Police Department. And asked to see, you know, to talk to them. So they let me read over all the investigation. They let me write notes. And I also um, was the first there to identify her stuff because Cape Coral had sent it to Livingston County. Mm -hmm. And they never did DNA on Rose's stuff because they figured um, there was no sense because she was living with Bobby and his mom, and that's all it would be on there because they had no suspects, and they suspect Bob. They, right. Yeah, that, those would be weird, uh, you know, weird um, possessions to own to show up at a police department, don't you think? In a bag of clothes. In a bag of clothes. In a bag of clothes. All she left with was what was on her back. And it's and do you get the impression that somebody like dropped those off? Like somebody, are you are you thinking that somebody found them in like the garbage and then said, "Hey, this stuff's important. I better turn this into police." Or I have no idea. Yeah. All I know is that they just put it behind the police department. Put it behind the police. It, put it behind the police department. I wasn't sure if they meant behind the police department or behind the police department's desk. Oh, okay. 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 That's that's uh, that's something that I'm sure the the listeners will look into. That's an that's an interesting uh, factoid there. Tell me about tell the listeners about the bus ticket that Dorothy allegedly bought for Rose back then. Okay. Uh, my mom received a letter on the 19th. Dorothy had uh, purchased a ticket on the 17th, which was like couple days before my mother even received the letter. Mm-hmm. And on the bus ticket, there is no signature as a customer signature. All down there is the date, which was the 17th. Mm-hmm. And just so while you're looking through your, your information there, it should be remind remind the listeners that your sister okay. disappeared on March 14th. Right. Right. And so That's you didn't get this letter till the 17th. Day. Okay. Right. The 19th, and the ticket was purchased the 17th. Okay. Huh. And And then in the letter, she also said, Dorothy had also, Bob's mom said, I even took the ticket to the sheriff's department, so I have proof that I bought her a ticket if she doesn't come home. That's in the letter. So it's almost like she was trying to establish an alibi of some type. Like covering something up. Yeah, okay. Okay. But you you just get the feeling that, I mean, but we should admit something, though, that being that Dorothy and Rose were not fans, it's not totally crazy to think that Dorothy might have actually bought her a ticket to come back to New York, being that she probably didn't want her there anyway. Right. I'm not trying, once again... Not trying to defend anybody. I don't know any of these people, but no. given that that uh, Dorothy and Rose didn't get along, it's conceivable that yeah, Dorothy might buy her a bus ticket to get the heck out of there. Right. Yeah. 
if that was the case, how do you think that Bobby would have felt about that? Being that his mother would buy a ticket for his girlfriend to go back to New York. Well, he didn't want her to come back when to come visit me because he was afraid she wasn't going to come back. I don't yeah. know. That's it's a little hard to figure out, isn't it? It is. It's very difficult. Yeah, because on one hand, at least what you've explained to me that. Bobby and his mother were close, but then it seems like Dorothy wanted her to go back to New York, but Bobby didn't. Right. Yeah, so that's that's a little that's a little difficult, a little hard to understand. Now we probably haven't gotten to the probably the the strangest part of this story, and the tell the listeners uh, about Bobby. You see him quite often, don't you? Yes, I do. Comes here to New York during the summer and stays at a campground and goes back to Fort Myers for for the winter and lives with his brother in a camper for the winter. Right. And so you see him, and in fact, we're doing this uh, interview on October 10th, 2016, and you just saw him this past weekend. The, the guy who was dating your sister at the time that she disappeared, uh... You you saw him this past weekend. Yes, I did. And he's very very nervous when he's around me for some reason. He won't come near me. Mm-hmm. If I say anything in front of his friends that mm-hmm. he thinks I'm automatically talking about him, and mm-hmm. like if I talk anything about death penalties or mm-hmm. tampering with evidence or conversations like that, you know, so. If I go have a cigarette to the New York State, you have to smoke outside. Mm-hmm. He, he'll be out there. He'll he'll stay like 50 yards away from me, 50 feet. Hmm. He won't come near me. And what what did uh, – you should know that his, his mother died several years ago, right? She's not alive anymore. Correct, yeah. Okay. And Bobby, though, he went on to – Get married, have kids after Rose disappeared. Right. Right. And named another, married another Rose. He did. Is that right? Right. I didn't know that. Also, to mention too, is after this, all this stuff with my letter, my mother's letter, the ticket, Mm -hmm. all that, Bob and his mom had moved back from March of 85 had moved back May of 1985 to Dansville, New York. So roughly two months after Rose disappeared, the two of them got out of Florida and moved back to New York. That's correct. Wow. Okay. You ever find out why? Did they not like it down here or work? or? Well, he keeps going back there, so I don't huh. know. <laughs> okay. It's like they were hiding or something. I don't know. Okay, well, maybe, on the other hand, maybe Bobby just doesn't like the New York winters, and if that's the case, then I I can identify with him on that. That's why I moved from Pennsylvania years ago. Um, Well, they lived here from May, at this one address from May 85 to summer 1990. mm -hmm. Then he got married and moved to Farmington, New York, with Mm -hmm. his wife. Then got divorced, and then he went started coming back here. Uh, probably the listeners are getting the idea so far that 
that uh, you, for these last 31 years, it's been over 31 years now, uh, think that Dorothy and or Bobby had something to do with your uh, sister's disappearance. Okay? Correct. You, you have that suspicion. Uh, however, being that the police finally did get involved, both in New York and in, down here in Florida, have any other... And, we'll, and I know there's a recent story that we'll get to in a second, but up until, like, for the last 30 years, up until this recent news, has the police ever said, you know, we're looking at other suspects possibly that could have caused your sister to disappear? Have they ever come? No. You don't have to name any names, just, just have they? No. No. They believe they're the suspects. Okay. Okay. And I was outside the bar one day, this was uh, last year, mm -hmm. and he had said to me and a friend right out front, before he was afraid of me, um, I asked him, I go, what do you think happened to Rose? And he said to me, he says, I think my mother did it. And I go, what do you mean? He says, my mom and I, or my mom and Rose did not get along. And this was after she passed away to tell me this. And I did um, write this stuff down and turn it into Livingston County. And he's always staring at me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I have pictures that I've also turned into the investigation where he's just staring at me really with evil. Yeah. Okay. So you ha you've had a suspicion all these years. And, and you should know, Laurie, that you're not the first person to come on this show and express a suspicion as to what happened to somebody. You know, I've had, if you've heard a couple of my most recent shows, we, we do talk about suspects, you know, on this show. We do. Right. Um, however, there has been a, a recent development in the Cape Coral area that's just within the last couple months, and it re Correct. regards a, a Mr. Zyler. What do you want to tell the listeners about that? Okay, uh... It was a, they finally cracked a 26-year-old case of two uh, women that were murdered, and they found DNA on these girls' blankets and sheets, and it came up uh, as Joseph Zyler, mm -hmm. who lived in the Fort Myers, Cape Coral area at the time that Rose was living there. So they were pretty much the same age, so it's possible he could have been involved. Right. So, so in 1990, two girls were murdered, and all these years later, they finally, through DNA evidence, tracked it down to this Zyler guy. And well, what happened is yes, him and his son got in a fight, and he shot his son. He didn't kill oh. his son, but he shot his son. Oh, my. And um, that's when they found out the DNA from this guy had matched these two girls. Wow, what a what a story! And, and I did talk to a detective down there, and I asked him to, you know, question mm, him. Right, of because, course. And he and because he's in the area near the same time, and he could have. Who knows? He could have been the one. Right, but there's something else that's interesting about Mr. Zyler, isn't there? And what can you tell the listeners about Mr. Zyler's dad? His dad was a police officer for the Cape Crow Police Department in the 70s and early 80s. 
Uh, was he working for the Cape Coral Police Department when your sister disappeared in 1985? Well, from what I understand, he worked up till 1984. Okay. But I'm, I can't be sure on that. Okay. But, you know, and this kind of goes back to what you had told the listeners before, that Cape Coral didn't do an investigation into Rose's disappearance for four years. Nope, for four years. And then you add that to the fact that the father had worked for the Cape Coral, was working or had just recently left the Cape Coral Department. That's correct. You know, I think the average person is going to start wondering, well, you know, the, the, the dad's a cop. He has this son who eventually at least murdered two people in 1990. Well, maybe the, the father might have thought that, you know, his son was doing stuff before then. Right. You know, before 1990 and, you know, might have been covering for him and he wouldn't have been the first parent to cover up, you know, the crimes of a son or daughter. So... So this is a, this is a, a story that that is continuing to develop, uh, even as we talk. Even after thirty some years, there are new, at least with this Zyler guy, it's a new lead. Uh, you know, and and I have to ask you, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, obviously you have your suspicions, but when you hear, uh, you know, somebody like Joseph, you know, is Mr. Zyler, his his name popping up that he was doing his business around the same time, does it cause you to maybe, you know, rethink what, what all these feelings you've had over the years? Or how do you feel it, about it's it? Got me wonder, it's got me wondering if he was involved or not. Um, I certainly got right on the phone with the investigators down in Cape Coral as well as here in Livingston County and said, I want this guy questioned because it could be a possibility. Yeah. And I, maybe one of the best places they could start would be and find out if he ever owned a red pickup truck, right? Right. That right. would be a very good idea. Right. What's it been like? What's it been like all these years? You know, you've been, hard. you've, you, it's I, been hard. Up and down. Yeah. Up and down. I, I cry a lot. Mm hmm. I have my good days and I have my bad. Yeah. You know, especially around Christmas, you know, the holidays and and her birthday. Mm-hmm. And then I get angry sometimes, too, I will tell you, is when I find out that people are found that have been missing and I'm, I'm still looking 31 years later. Yeah, it's... You know, it's it's 31 years. You know, I you know I can think back to 1985, March of 1985. I would have been in eighth grade. It doesn't, you know, it, you know what I mean. It's just, uh, uh, you know, the time has flown. But for you, I bet the time hasn't flown. It it. Oh no. No. It seems like forever. Yeah. Yeah. I just want answers. That's all I want. Just I want answers. When you first started this, when you really, you know, took the, you know, you know, you really headed this up, did you think that all these years later that her case would still be unsolved? What have you learned about uh, disappearances in, in the state of missing people in the United States and in working with police? 
you know, give, uh, give uh, the listeners, you know, some things that you've learned about all of this. Well, a lot, I, I am a volunteer missing persons advocate, and I work with a lot of families and help them with a lot of references and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our um, cases that have been solved are usually family abductions or a friend of a family member, or, you know, it could be somebody who is related or knows the person. They're not actually serial killers. Or there's, I've had cases where a couple will be missing and they'll find them in a lake 10 years later from a car accident, things mm. like that. Yeah. But most of them are usually family abductions or family friends of a family things like that. So when you say family abductions, are you talking like uh, about a, a father who kidnaps his children from the mother? Or something? Is that... Correct, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Do a lot of those... Or, or there's also sex trafficking, there's drug trafficking. Yeah. You know, things like that, that some some of them are, you know, they find later, like that uh, Chicago or Connecticut. Oh, you mean... Not, Long ago. You mean with the three women with the in Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. That's mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that going on out there too. Would you say in what you you're doing now, besides what you're doing for your sister, but these other cases and people are trying to help? Would you say that a lot of these cases are getting solved, or, or is the, there is a lot of frustration on your part trying to for the police well, to take some of these are, seriously? With what we have today, a lot of them are getting solved. Good. Yes. Good. With the help of the police or just people keeping an eye out, ears out? It's just, uh, it's actually us, us, the people of the missing loved ones who stick together or work together Mm -hmm. more than the police. (laughs) We do most of the investigation, believe it or not, by working together. Yeah, you know, I've uh, had an opportunity on one of my first shows to interview um, Kelly Murphy, who heads up Project Jason, and some other, of course, missing person advocates as well. And a, and a common story is that the police just don't put enough people on these cases, and they just don't have enough resources, and they don't have enough training to help. To right, help. and as I spoke with you um, on a phone call before mm-hmm. – um, Recently, um, I think it was in 2015, no, 2013, we started having a benefit for um, one of the missing persons out of Rochester. Mm. And what we raised the money for was to send two police officers to, um, I think it was like Michigan or somewhere like that, for training just in missing persons cases because they don't have... A lot of our police departments and stuff do, do not ha- are not like we know more about it than they do. They do, right? That's I I totally believe that. I totally believe that. And you had also told me, and r- th- this is a little bit of a coincidence. You told me about the the missing persons day that they have in New York, right? They, yes. Yeah. And That's a conference where a bunch of us families of the missing loved ones go to. And we sit in a circle and we talk, talk to each other about what happened to our, you know, why we were there. And every year, um, 
Mary Lyle, and, mm -hmm. and they have a New York State Missing Persons Day. Mm -hmm. And we go there and we get counseling, and the families are able to talk to each other. Yeah. Because we're all going through the same thing. And then at the end of the ceremony, there's a, a big torch, like, um, oh, I don't know what you call it. It's like one of those eternal... A monument. Yeah, monument. It's a monument mm -hmm. that we torch at the end of the night and light up for the missing. Yeah. Mary Lau, if, to, to remind the listeners, Mary Lau was actually on this show about her, her daughter, Suzanne. Uh, that was one of the first shows that I did. So I've had a lot of interaction with Mary over like the last couple of months. So. You'd be surprised how many we all know yeah. doing what we do. It's And I, Doug and Mary are the ones that actually got me really started deeply into this. Wow. It's, it's a tight-knit community, isn't it? It's really tight knit. I, I, you know, I, this is, you know, I've taken interest in dis disappearances for many years, but only within the like, the last year have I really decided on my own to do something about it. And in doing my research and and doing the show and everything is, and it's one of the things I found out so quickly that how many people know other people. Right. Families of this disappeared person in New York know this family. We need each other. Yeah. We need each Yes. There's no doubt. Yeah. Because we're the only ones that understand. Other people don't understand. They don't know. They don't realize it can happen to them, and it can. Mm -hmm. How did your parents react when when Rose disappeared? How did they handle it? Um. They they want us to get answers. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm the one that took it the hardest. Yeah. Mm hmm Are your parents still alive? I, I don't I don't know if I've asked you this before. Are your yeah, they are. And I think a lot of it, too, is none of them really knew which way to turn to start like me. I, I, I jumped right on it and just started getting into it. And they, you know, I know what to do where they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not afraid to call an investigator up and say, hey, you know, just like this past uh, case with that Mr. Zeiler, mm -hmm. I, I'll call them right up and say, hey, I want I want this look in, into. This is, you know, on my mind, and I want to rule this guy out. Yeah. The reason I ask you that is because my impression is that a sibling heading, uh, you know, a, a movement up like you have for your sister – is a little unique. I think it's more likely the parents who do it. Or in some of these cases, maybe, uh, you know, I just had a recent conversation. There's a reporter here in the local area who is heading up trying to solve a disappearance case. And she's the one that's out there, um, you know, putting all the information out there and, and, and all of this. It's kind of unique that it, the sibling does that. I'm wondering if that says something about you, Laura. And I, obviously, it, it, it says you, you and Rose must have had a very special relationship. We did. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. That's good. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell the listeners? Anything else that you think they need to know uh, about your sister, about this case? Uh, so so they can understand it you know, better, and when they go to 
your Facebook page or wherever else to, you know, see if they can help out. What else do they need to know? Anything else? I guess I pretty much explained myself pretty much. Um, Okay. Okay. That's great. Um, Where can... Another thing I would like everybody to know... Please, please. ...is a lot of people believe that, like, even the police department believe you have to wait 24 hours to report somebody missing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not true. You still can make a report. And not only that, the most critical is in the first 24 hours of somebody disappearing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, the sooner you get to this... I mean, I could go across the country in 24 hours. If I feel somebody's in danger, you know, and something's not right, I'm going to go to the police department... And you also have to make sure you get a document number from the police department before you can even report, you know, like for New York State missing or any of those kind of sites mm-hmm. to help out our missing. Okie dokie. Thank you for passing that on to the listeners. Where can they find you on Facebook? If they want to go and find what you're, you know, what you're saying about your sister's disappearance, where can they find you on Facebook? Um, Missing Rosemary Gayhart at Facebook. On Facebook, okay, and they'll find you there. And I know that I know you do. Uh, you know, being that I we now follow each other on Facebook, you do a lot of posting, and and it and it's just not about Rose, but you're like you said, you're trying to help other people too. Yeah, I've been asked to be in, why I was never an investigator, I, and I I've had interviews with the newspaper. And these families cannot afford an investigator to do what we do. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could take money from any family to invest, help them with what I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that I'm going to continue to do whatever I can for you, Laura. I think we've become friends. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the show will, you know, the stuff on the Internet it never dies. So this show and what you've talked about right. is always going to be out there, and they'll, people will be able to contact you. And uh, we'll make sure that people, you know, never forget your your uh, sister. And hopefully, okay. sometime very soon, maybe we can get this thing resolved. All right. Okay, Sounds Laurie. Great. Laurie, thank you so much for being on Unfound. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Rose's sister, Laurie. There's some things that I should tell you, maybe giving you a little bit of a look behind the curtain on how the show gets put together because I think this case is a perfect illustration of that. That I simply go out looking for cases to cover, uh, ones that I think are interesting, ones that I think personally can be solved. I also look at how passionate the family is Regarding it. Now, I know that all families want cases of the disappearance of their loved ones solved, but when I see a website that's continually updated, when I see a Facebook site that has posts on it yesterday, uh, yesterday today, and then there will be posts on it tomorrow, in addition, I find out that a family member, in addition to being involved in their loved one's case, is also trying to help other people, other families, 
those kinds of people are going to make it to the top of the list. Those kinds of cases are going to make it to the top of my list every time. Every time. And I think that's indicative in how I covered uh, the cases of Jason Jolkowski, Suzanne Lyle, and Jesse Foster in that their mothers have really gotten involved in missing persons cases since all of their children disappeared. And they deserve to be heard. And that's what um, attracted me so much to Rose's case and then getting to know Laurie the way I did and I, the way I you know, have and will continue to hopefully be very good friends with her. I think what I'm saying in so many words is that I don't go along with trends. Uh, I am more interested in the cases where I see the people who love that person who disappeared and are so passionate and they're looking for any place to tell their story, I'm going to be there uh, for them. The show is going to be there for them. I don't care how obscure the case is. I don't care how long ago it was. Uh, the people who seem are devoting their lives to missing people, not just in their family, but others and strangers, they're always welcome on this show. The other point that I'd like to make is that you never know how a case is going to go. I think this Joseph Zeiler um, case that has now popped up, that he murdered two people in the Cape Coral area back in 1990. And then what else you find out about him his father being a cop, then the Cape Coral Police Department on top of that not investigating Rose's disappearance for four years. This reminds me a lot of the Jacob Wetterling uh, case that was recently solved in that for so many years, people had an idea of what they thought happened. This suspect, that suspect, and in the end, it was a guy who wasn't on every anybody's list, at least at the top of the list. And I wonder if this is going to happen in Rose's case, that many people thought that Bobby and or Dorothy had something to do with it, and then in the end it was a totally unrelated, and Laurie, of course, explained it to you best, how Joseph Zeiler was caught, how his DNA was connected to these two murders in 1990. That it may be that this case goes in a totally different direction. I, of course, will continue to keep my eyes open regarding Rose's case. I can't predict that Laura and I will continue to talk as well, emailing each other back and forth. She will continue to contact the Cape Coral Police Department and the Livingston County Police Department in New York to make sure that uh, they continue to work on Rose's case, especially in how it relates to Joseph Zeiler. And if there's any breaking news, then I will gladly have Laurie back on this show to do an update because I'd love to have her back. I thank you all for listening. You can find me at Unfound Podcast on Twitter. You can find the show at Podomatic and iTunes. I'd love for you to subscribe. I'm at Denzel, and you've been listening to unfound.